We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hey everyone, welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, Corona Cast number eight. Davis Maddock is on the line for our weekly chat. We even took some of your questions this time around. Remember, please share the show around on social media. It really does help out and leave a review of the podcast for me or the Take Cast on Davis or both five-star reviews. Something nice there, but just spread the word around. Uh, smash the like button for the video. That always goes a long way in helping. Just want to let you know that this could be the last Corona cast that we do for some time because I might be off soon. Uh, but in the meantime, we're going to have a ton of MMA coverage coming out. UFC specifically. Paul and Cody have it on lockdown. Uh, when the Wednesday card, next Saturday card, any card that comes out for UFC, we're going to have that. Me, Jeff, and Tim broke down the NFL schedule. We have Outlaw Tour Golf. We're going to have more fantasy football. My movie bracket is going to come out you know, sometime in the next few weeks. The shows are done. We're just waiting to release them. So we've got a lot going on in the Pat Mayo experience. So go tell a friend, enjoy the episode, and hope everyone's doing safe. All right? Let's go. Here, I, I can actually just go look in my history real quick. The... $10 contest was 20k prize pool, 5k to first. Uh, there ended up being 1500 entries out of 2400 spots. It's not bad. No, and they they so and I mean they're running it back tonight too. They have both showdown and regular, which is wild. And this is for Korean soccer? 
Korean professional soccer. Yeah. Uh, do you know any of these guys? Uh, I would say I probably know 30 players in this league overall, you know, com- compare in there, you know, there are, I think there are 10 teams of, you know, 25 players each. So, you know, like roughly like 5% of the pool I'm familiar with. That's actually not bad. That's far more than I know uh, about like the outlaw yeah. tour. Yeah, I mean, I I knew one player on the Outlaw Tour. Not this week. Not this week. There's a ton of guys this week. Really? Yeah. Damon is the favorite. Streelman is second. Spawn. Lashley. Brandon Harkins. Damn, so they just had what? They just had guys come out to Arizona to play? I think these are all like Scottsdale guys. So check. Oh, yeah. They're there anyway. Woo. No, there's guys playing and they're just uh they're just out here grinding a buck you love to see it it is but i i, I don't know if there's value or not in fading them i'm going to be fading them but like spawns 40 to 1 to win yeah i mean that feels crazy because there are like club pros playing in this thing yeah but you just i just never know how serious like some guys are going to take it i bet nate lashley at 33 to 1 he's down to 16 to 1 as i read it right now Colt Nost is here. Yeah, he retired. Yeah, he just likes to hang out with, uh, he was uh, buddies with Spieth. Was he? I guess they're Texas yeah. guys. Yeah. He has a podcast, yeah, he, I think. Yeah, he just likes to hang out. So what's new? How are things? I am, uh, I'm going to go golfing tomorrow. Oh, really? Yeah. Playing by yourself? I am playing one to a cart with my girlfriend's uncle and one of his buddies so are you worried that like they're not in quarantine uh i mean you know maybe maybe a little bit but i i i mostly am i mostly am not worried though like i i think it's the the median outcome here is that things should be fine you know pay before you get to the course and everything and it see it seems like out the the virus does not transmit near as well outside basically. Yeah, but do we know that? No, no, it would just be purely anecdotal evidence basically. Yeah, I feel like that's everything right now. I I threw it out to on Twitter. I'm sure you saw cuz I tagged you in it, but like questions about it. And like all the different stuff like where do you think that the virus emanated from? Like what do you think about this? Like I I legit have no idea. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I have, I have no idea where the coronavirus came from, right? Like, I just, that's not, uh, that's not something I have any expertise on. I, I think what people want to hear, at least this person wants to hear, is that we think it was constructed in a lab and injected into the population to do this. Like, I, I don't think that was the case. Uh, no, I mean... It could it could be from a lab or it could just be some mutated virus from something that like already exists, right? Like it's just uh yeah. I mean and I don't even think I don't even think the origin point seems all that important really to me. It it doesn't really seem important in the day-to-day run of like what we're going through. I guess trying to figure out where it came from, why it happened, see if we can isolate that so things like this don't ever happen again. I could see the value in that, but as we try to like live through it, I guess it's relatively Ill- irrelevant at this point. Well, and I mean, I guess I'm assuming that if this was created in a lab somewhere, um, the people that created it or the governments that created it would be 
looking at everything and they would either be saying, okay, this is going exactly how we wanted it to, you know, we wanted it to decimate everything and we'll never, we'll never know anyway. Or it would be the converse where they were like, oh, this is terrible. This is, uh, you know, just the, the long-term ramifications of this from the world on the world economy are horrible. This was a terrible idea. Like, you know, like, let's get a vaccine going, but we wouldn't, we wouldn't know either way. Right. No, we, we're never going to find out unless you watch that, uh, that like fake documentary that's going down pandemic that keeps getting taken down on YouTube and Facebook. I just, I just block anyone who tweets the word pandemic. Yeah. Like I read sort of a follow. I didn't watch it obviously, but I read a follow up on it. Be like, here is case for case, like things they say in it that are just objectively false. Like it, it seems like, they, they wrote their own narrative like, no, these are facts. Don't worry about it and don't look into it. Just believe us. Yeah. I mean, so like, you know, if you remember there was, there was, um, there was a film that was popular um, like kind of roughly after nine 11 and it was just called zeitgeist. The movie. Uh, was that like, did, did you, was that like loose change? So yeah, in the literal in the same variety, um, it was it was really popular. Um, this was this was like a thing that people watched. Like you could even maybe mention this in like polite conversation, and people would know what you were talking about. And uh, you know, I watched it when I was young and impressionable in high school, and I and I think I probably um, believed some of the things that were said. And and looking back on it now, the premises of this movie are so laughably bad and and stupid. And um, I just I feel like the people who would watch the pandemic and think of that are approaching it with the mindset of a, of a, like a toddler or, a, you know, like a, a high schooler, like they just don't get it. Yeah. Well, you say that the zeitgeist thing would have crossed over in, into just, you could talk about it and people would know what you're talking about, where a lot of the stuff that we see on the internet just isn't the case outside of the people that you know on the internet that are looking at the same stuff Correct. as you. But yeah. it does seem like this pandemic thing, we like had like millions and millions of views. Like, I think that's something that, people watched if nothing else um yeah yeah i think i think that is probably true i think you're right i think people probably did watch it it's kind of crazy it reminds me of that like remember coney yes yeah apparently like that was all just like a sham too like it was true uh, it was true but it was like wildly infactual and out of date right i and i mean you know i don't know i i think that Unfortunately, I think most of us just sort of take that, uh, I think, you know, most of us just sort of take things on the internet, not at face value anymore. I think that, I think that we, we read something and we're like, well, this is most likely not true now. That's probably the best way to approach it, isn't it? Um, yeah, I, I think that, I think that's probably true. Yeah. Like, like, where do you, where do you go to read something or to find out information and be like, this is legit. I believe this and just not really even question it. The economist is my favorite news source. Is that a news source though? Or is it like data? And then they kind of tell you what the data means. No, I mean, they, I, I mean, they, yeah, they report news. They're like a, they're like basically a weekly newspaper. I mean, the issue, I do not read the economist as much anymore because the economist is a, I mean, it's a conservative British newspaper, but I, I think that um, I think that the the reporting in it is is largely the best, and you know aligns with what I 
think is mo- is mostly true as it relates to what's going on in the world. Yeah, it it just seems to me now like no matter where you look, like there's just so much spin on everything that it's hard to decipher what's true. Not necessarily what's true because if you see enough places doing it, like if you look at a right wing place, a left wing place, you can kind of merge together. Like, oh, everyone is saying this, unless they're all in the big conspiracy about it, but. It's the spin parts that you can kind of take out. That's why I like looking like you were telling me about those places that have just been releasing the raw numbers for the COVID cases. Now, yeah. I, I think that the presumed expectation when even looking at those is that like China's lying about their numbers. There's a lot of countries that are lying about their numbers. The U.S. is probably lying about their numbers in some spots or under testing or trying to manipulate them to look a certain way. But I would trust... The U.S.'s numbers more than I would trust China's numbers, although I wouldn't trust the U.S. numbers 100%. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I mean, the, I would, and I don't even know if U.S. I don't like. I don't even know if U.S. hospitals would be lying. I just think that some of them, um, you know, would not would don't have the testing capabilities, right? Like we we still are. We're we're two months in, and testing is not widespread in the United States. No, and maybe that's on purpose. Maybe it's to show that this isn't as out of control as possible. If we don't release the tests, or at least we limit the amount of people that can be tested, then it just seems like fewer people actually have it. Uh, And that's a way to really reel it in and make people feel more comfortable. Or, like, there is a direct thing here where this, I don't want to say it's not serious, but it's less serious than maybe the freakout at the very beginning had a lot of people believing that if they can show that the cases are like kind of peaking here, that four times in that number is only going to make people go hysterical, that keeping the numbers at what they are big, but not like so outlandishly big that people can't comprehend is probably good for society and keeping sanity. You know, I, I'm going to go, I actually would go the other way. Cause I mean, people are just fed up, right? People there, people are now no longer, scared enough of getting this disease of uh you know going to the hospital of just of COVID-19 to want to stay at home to want to flatten the curve to want to sacrifice you know x y and z and I think that I mean if the current numbers in the United States right now which is um 1.3 million total cases uh 80,000 deaths 1,300 deaths today if these are if these are the accurate numbers, that is more optimistic than the most optimistic prognosis on March fifteenth, right? Yeah. And I mean, if this is the case, then yeah, I think it is likely for you know economic reasons a smart idea to start thinking about intelligent ways to reopen parts of the country. The the problem that you're having is. Uh, the American populace doesn't seem that interested in in reopening intelligently. They just they just want to go back to their lives, and you know that that's going to be a nightmare. Well, it's funny. Like within Canada, it's almost like province to province is going to be a lot different. Like it would be state to state and how people are approaching it. But I guess Texas would almost Texas and California would almost be outliers like this in the states. Where yeah, they, they're like they're like their own thing. Yeah, it's like Quebec in Canada is its own thing. Like it has no real correlation with the rest of the country. Like they have their own laws, they have their own courts, they have special provisions under the government. They speak a different language in that province. That like they're essentially what it appears to me, at least from what I can tell, are like reopening, like now. 
and yeah. it's it's where the most cases are in Canada. Um, yeah, and I mean, you know, I I think a very important thing is that, I mean, okay, so my patience with like the Liberty people in the United States has it's it's to zero, right? Like it's it's to absolute zero. On the other hand, there are very real costs to keeping people at home. And also, as we've acknowledged a bunch of times on this show, it is an incredibly privileged position to be able to take to say, I have enough money, I have enough security, I don't need to go outside my home to work. I can either, you know, get by on what I have saved, I can work from home. But you know, there are many, many people in the United States, and I assume in Canada as well, though I can't speak to it directly, who literally, this has been a complete disruption in their life, both both financially and, you know, just like who wants to live in a country where where for years you don't really get to live your life? Like, you know, that that's horrible. And I, I acknowledge that these things are true while still saying um, reopening just at the drop of a hat is a bad idea. So I believe what we're doing in Toronto, I don't know if it's going to be the case for all of Ontario because not surprisingly, most of the cases in this province are in Ottawa and Toronto, the two major metropolitan areas. Uh, that makes the most sense. It has the most population density. That's where international travelers came to and from. That's why it's here. Like I saw a lot of uh, airport taxi drivers and limo drivers. Like There's an abnormal both case rate and death rate amongst those people, uh, which really sucks. Uh, yeah, it just didn't even occur to me. Like, of course, that would be like Uber drivers, Lyft drivers. I guess it'd be one thing you could avoid the airport if you wanted. But if your job was to for three weeks before you even knew this was a thing or even when it was yep. a thing and the planes were still open, international travel was still happening, that you were picking these people up. And I guarantee you, especially people coming from like China, you know, they weren't getting on the transit from the airport to downtown. They were probably taking a limo. So that really sucks. But. I believe what the strategy is going to be here is that like malls aren't going to open, but any business that does any sort of retail, whether it be a restaurant, whether it be a makeup store, regardless, if you have street front property that you can start doing pickup at the door, you can't have people in the shops yet, but people can like order via phone uh, and schedule a time for a pickup. And then you can go get your stuff. So the businesses can reopen that way. You don't need to have the giant overhead cost of filling out like all of your staff right away. That doesn't solve that problem. But it does get people back to work. It does open up business. And you try to do it in as safe of a way as possible. Because we saw a spike in the city on Thursday. I think they said they wanted, before like we even consider reopening, they want to have essentially, I think it was 12 out of 14 days in drops of positive cases and uh, i think we've had drops five of the last six days we had that one like two and a half percent spike but that could be a lot of things that mean could mean that there was under testing on or results delayed on tuesday and they showed up on thursday like that's the tricky part with all of this like i think you want to see everything on the down curve but you don't want to reopen like you were saying completely right away i think we talked last week about like my friend he has a restaurant and what they're going to have to do is essentially take out two-thirds of their tables if they want to reopen like that's step one to reopening like is that what all of the other places are doing or is it like pack them in as many as we can fit yeah I so so that uh, that like you know pick stuff up like that that gradual reopening that is um 
like that is like pretty much existed, you know, sort of this whole time in the States, which might, which like might be why our case numbers never really got lower. Like some of the, like some of the other countries did, like we just, we were never in a spot where that was the way things were happening. So, you know, I, 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 um, I, I don't know. I, I'm starting to feel very pessimistic about any sort of structured reopening. And I'm now just hoping that we basically overestimated how deadly the disease is that I think that's got to be the biggest hope that we can have. Well, do you, do you want sports to come back? Of course I do. Cause I was trying to think, cause one of the questions that someone asked us is who do you think that coronavirus politically is going to end up being not necessarily good for, but the worst for like, is it the worst for Trump? Because it does seem that way. Because I think it, I think I read like a latest poll. And I don't know who they're polling on this, but like seventy-one percent of people think that like we're opening too early. Like America, like America is opening too early. Well, you know, if, the, if we do not have NFL games, Trump is in a lot of trouble. Well, that's the thing. I think that if you want sports, vote Republican. <laughs> that seems to be like the path to least resistance here. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, though, is like you know, lib, lib or not. These these athletes and these leagues, they know they are just giving up crazy money, right? Like they they are giving up wild amounts of money if they don't like if, if baseball just doesn't play a season, if the NBA is not able to get their playoff revenue, like I mean, we're talking billions of revenue dollars lost. And it it is in pretty much everyone in the league's best interest to find a way to play these games. Yes, but it feels like if you were to kind of put all of the leagues on a political spectrum, it does feel like the NBA leans the furthest left, where for things, sure. for things like golf and UFC and NASCAR would lean the furthest right. And they're also individual. That's one of the cases behind it. But they're the first ones coming back. I think it's highly encouraging for all of the other sports, as safe or not safe as it is, that someone tested positive on the UFC card. They were like, well, you're off the card. We're still running the card anyway. Yeah, and I mean, you know, time time will tell um, the consequences of that. You know, I, like, are we gonna get are we gonna get a bunch of are we gonna get a bunch of uh, of cases? You know, like, is that gonna? And I, I think, I mean, I think probably no, or I'm hoping no. But if if that ends up not being a big deal, um, you know, then then maybe then maybe the path to opening sports back is not as difficult as we thought. Maybe, but again, the, you're doing this without fans. This is an individual sport. And, like, honestly, what's worse for the guy who tested positive for COVID? Because, obviously, he's a UFC fighter. You would presume he's in very good shape. He's probably in the lowest percentile possible of people this would truly, like, if you look at, like, you know, people over 80 are the worst affected. I would think that a UFC fighter who's 27 in his prime is probably one of the presumably the least affected people by this like he gets sick maybe he ends up becoming asymptomatic it could be really bad but that would be a very low probability outcome for that particular person like what's worse for him honestly getting covid or going into a ufc fight and getting knees to the face for fucking 15 minutes (laughs) uh yeah i mean you know probably probably uh probably knees to the face right you you have to think you have to think that is likely to be true um so there are other leagues that are opening up in the world, you know, uh, baseball, soccer, and and stuff like that. And one of the leagues that is opening back up is the German league, which is you know one of the countries that we've talked about that uh, 
you know, has just has done a better job with testing and everything. And in their second division, like half of the half of the team after after coming back and after training, like half the team tested positive for COVID. And as of right now, when we are recording this, the way they're ruling it is just saying, you all have to go into quarantine. You're forfeiting your games until you're back. So I, I, I think that is a, an interesting way that they're handling it, basically, of just being like, we got to get we got to get these games played. Is it because I, I, I don't know how like this is the Bundesliga you're talking about, right? So this is this team that I'm talking about right now is in the second division. Um, so the there they had enough players put in in quarantine that they are not allowed to train or participate in games for the next two weeks. Oh, did I tell you about my UFC conspiracy theory like three weeks ago of what they were going to do? And it, it's happened, but I mean, I have no idea if it's true or not. Let's hear it. That I thought that the best way that they could approach this in terms of like public reaction and just to show that they're being safe about it was book a fight on the card and just pay the two people off say you guys are never actually going to fight but one of you is going to test positive for coronavirus so we can show that hey we're actually testing when they're not actually testing <laughs> well that would be, i i i like that idea a lot in terms of like what i would expect out of um the ufc right because because that is that's a league that's about getting their money and uh you know is has a little bit they have a little bit less of a of a bleeding heart audience you know so i when when the news came out were you thinking, oh, well, this is just going to get canceled? Is no. It, was that your first thought? No, it wasn't, actually. I, I was curious to see if it would get canceled or not. And as we're recording this, I believe it's starting right now, so it's happening. I think it, I think it locks in, in 10 minutes. All right, so there we go. Hopefully, by the time this is released, I'm like 100K richer. That would be nice. Or at least when I, I played, I was just so gung-ho to play this. I, I wagered far more than I should have on this event. Just in general, yeah. just, and like that—that that, that was me with Korean soccer last night. And even Cody told me, like Cody's the best source of this, and Paul told me too. It's like the Wednesday card that they're running is probably the card that you want to bet on or play DraftKings on. Oh, they're doing—they're doing more. Oh yeah, it's in. So there's one as we speak right now. There's one on Wednesday, and there's one next Saturday. Wow, they're—they're they're taking. What do, okay, <laughs> so if we have one guy tested positive so far, they don't cancel. What are we handicapping the odds that they are able to get all three of these slates off with with um, without canceling the event? I'd said it because they want to do it, and I think they're all. I don't know oh, if for it, sure. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be at that like fight island. I don't know where the other two are. I think they're all just going to be in Florida. And if they're in Florida, it just seems like Florida's like, yeah, whatever, fuck it, <laughs> go, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I we we have seen throughout all of this that uh, many of the memes we feel about Florida are are just are there. That's real life, right? But, but what, Florida but is what is a, the but what app state? Yeah, but like, what what's the death rate in Florida? Like, I don't hear. It's not like well, the rest of the country is this, but Florida's death rate is eighty times higher. It doesn't seem to be the case. Like, it seems like they're doing okay, doesn't it? Yeah. So I think. Actually, I think that you make an interesting point, and I think that the death rate for all of this stuff is actually just going to stay pretty stable from area to area. I think where what we might start hearing is overall caseloads in Florida might be really large, right? The, the death rate will be fine, but we might start seeing 
you know, hospitals, you know, filling up and stuff in Florida. But I, I don't actually know where to get that information. That's the, that that is not on that the website that I use, the worldmeters.info. I, I imagine someone listening to this probably, you know, probably has access or knows some of those Florida numbers. So, you know, if you if you're out there and you know, I, I would be curious. So because it's not only that people seem to be disregarding or just living life as normal in Florida and nothing has stood out to me, at least that I've heard of. Again, I could be completely off on that about the numbers inside Florida, but you got to think like no one is, I mean, people quarant quote unquote quarantine for a bit. It seems like everyone's just kind of back to business right now, but it's also like the oldest population too. Like Maine has the oldest population in the States. I think it's like 20% are above 65 years in age. Florida's second. They're also above 20% in residents above 65 and that's not even full-time residents think about how many people from like new york are down there right now or the rest of the country from the north that's currently in florida that's just old and we haven't seen it yet pop up like where i'm from has like an in like in nova scotia has an inordinate amount of cases for the population you're like what the hell is going on here but apparently it's all located in like one the like the big like low low income old folks home in the city. Like that's where all the cases and deaths have come from. It's nowhere else. It seems. Yeah. I mean, that is by and large, what we're hearing from the reporting is that old folks homes are like extreme ground zero for this. Like everyone there is at risk of dying from it. It's a huge transmission area. My thought would maybe be that in Florida, maybe there's, there's gotta be, I would think, a low amount of overlap between the, you know, the snowbirds from New York, the retirement communities and stuff, and like the beachgoers, right? Like I would think that those are relatively segregated communities, but, but maybe not, maybe I'm just making that up. I I really don't know. I I would think so. Like most of those like old, because old folks in Florida, not to say that this is everybody, but as opposed to old folks homes in different places, like you're looking at a richer old folk in florida i would think because they're just rich people who come from around the country those people are probably in gated communities that kind of thing where you're probably right that there's less intermingling with the rest of society yeah like that's uh you know these guys they're going out to go golfing you know they're they're probably having dinner at their at their places it's they're not uh you know they are not you know going to the beach they're not you know doing doing young people stuff yeah, I would think so. But and young people are not coming to come hang out at the old folks' home because it's not like they're grandkids because a lot of people who retire in Florida move from other places. I mean, I'm sure that's not unilaterally true. No, but if we're just going to talk in generalizations, which you know we do on this show, that that would make the most sense to me. So I'm just, I think Florida is just a really curious test case for all of this, that if things go okay in Florida, I don't see why they wouldn't start going well everywhere else. Well, you know, and it's hard to to know exactly what the reporting is like, but you know, we we have heard it reported that things are fine in Belarus, where they're basically just acting like the coronavirus doesn't exist. I saw, um, and again, this this could just be a lie, the same way we don't really believe, you know, the China numbers. But uh, I saw a report of like 150 approximate COVID deaths in Belarus, where they have just been carrying on life as completely normal. You know, going going to the store, going to work, sports, concerts. So they, they had like um, a national pride, like parade, like a military parade um, and, and stuff like that. So 
you know, I, I don't know. It is, it is certainly a possibility that COVID is not as deadly to, you know, the average healthy person as we thought it is in the realm of possibility. Wouldn't that be fucked? I hope that's the case, but like after everyone and maybe it's because the one thing I, I know this has been brought up a lot, but the fact that people did quarantine, people did take social distancing measures, that kind of thing seriously for even a month, you have to think curbed it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't see any way you could look at the situation and 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 think anything different, right, to think anything other than that, um, you know, the the curve was somewhat flattened i i don't know i don't know if it would be you know the worst thing on earth if we because because at the very least even if even if it was not you know not as horrible and terrible as we all thought um you know lives were certainly saved people have died of the coronavirus right so it it would not be like the worst injustice in human history no but I guess the thing that I've been seeing more and more recently, it does seem like some people want there to be more problems. So the last two months, like, weren't a waste that we did this. And they don't want to open up the possibility that the people that didn't take it seriously were more right right than wrong. Because no one was no one was right either way on this. There was people who said this isn't a real thing. It's the flu. Obviously, that wasn't true. But then you had the people being like, well, everyone's going to die. And then obviously they weren't right either, but it seems like the people who wanted worse did not wanted worst case scenario, but predicted worst case scenario are more up in arms about all of this because they were from the outset. They don't want to look like reactionary panicky people. What's crazy is I actually think we might be in the worst case scenario and I will, I will explain why that is. So, so obviously true, true worst case scenario is that this is a, contagion level you know just nothing we can do it wipes out you know half the world population right that's terrible but where we are right now in you know these large industrial countries that have you know loads of white collar workers and stuff is we don't have enough evidence to say like it's fine to go back to work it's fine to go about daily life you know a lot of people are still dying a lot of people are still sick the case rates are increasing every day but it's also not so deadly that a lot of people like a lot of people are no longer afraid a lot of people are are pissed off so we are we are just in this it seems as if we are just in this terrible um you know middle ground where nothing is going to be accomplished you know we're 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 going to have people getting sick because they won't stay inside but we're not going to get any of the economic benefits because some people will still be inside we're we're just going to have like 2,000 deaths a day and nothing happening for the next six months. Hmm. I saw this thing last night. I think it's called Pro Guardian, Pro Guardium. I tried to Google it. I couldn't find it. My friend showed it to me. He is actually a uh, COVID profiteer. Uh, he works in engineering and they love are, it. They are, well, his company has pivoted over like at the request of the government to start building tests and kits and things like that. And he showed me this one thing that I, uh, I think they're going to try in Las Vegas that they might test out over in Korea or potentially China right now that it's like a mist with some sort of like acid that can kill coronavirus, (laughs) but doesn't actually harm people or harm like your clothes or anything like that, that you would have to walk through that to get in anywhere and get sprayed. 
I, I kind of love it. That sound, sounds good to me. I, well, I think the casinos are the one throwing all the money behind this. Yeah, have you seen have you seen some of these like mock-ups of what casinos look like now with like the the separators and everything in them? No. Oh, it's uh it's terrible, right? It it looks like it looks it looks like what a casino would look like inside of a prison. Um it's it's like uh it's horrible. Is it like at a poker table there's like partitions between everyone? Yeah, like 10 foot tall partitions. You you put your cards and everything in underneath like it's 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 uh you you should go you should go find a photo like they uh they they look ridiculous the one thing i is i love to gamble and i love i love to play table games i love to go play craps i love playing blackjack i like like as we discussed last week i prefer live poker over online poker but like if you're jonesing to play some slots or something like that like can't you just go on an app and do it isn't that a thing you can do in america um yeah in some states you can do it legally for money in other states you either you know would have to play a free game or would have to do it illegally and i'm sure actually you know uh, an issue that would would happen because i i think in like vegas you can't play those games online i think i think that uh the the casinos have done a good enough job of of lobbying that they you you still have to go play brick and mortar but like in jersey you can play slots online I saw that they were holding yeah there's something to do with Las Vegas law where you have to like sign up through the casino in order to play online that they were right. they were holding signups in casino parking lots where you would have to go sign up and then you could play online. Yeah, it seems terrible, right? Seems like that's going to like that's going to lead to, you know, 10 unnecessary cases of covid or whatever. Yeah, unless they have that spray machine. <laughs> I mean, sign sign me up for the spray machine. I'm I'm in. I'm on board on the spray machine. It'd be good for airports. Yeah, man. I don't know if I'll. I don't think I'll feel comfortable flying for a long time because even even at the best of times, um, airports and uh, airplanes are are just absolute breeding grounds for sickness and disease. Like I feel like I feel like you're you're like fifty fifty of just like getting a cold, just getting on an airplane in general. It seems like I don't know how it is uh, in America right now in terms of airline travel, but I know in Canada, like there aren't full flights. There's barely like twenty percent full flights kind of going every day. That it does seem like now that they're disinfecting and the people that are traveling or you know everyone has to wear a mask on a plane. I believe on certain airlines, like that's just a rule. Like you can't fly if you yeah. don't do that. And I always find it really funny that like people get really triggered about well, you can't tell me to wear a mask. It's like a store can tell you anything they want. Like no one is infringing on your freedoms if they're a corporation. Like Costco can tell you whatever the fuck they want. You don't need to shop there. It's not. I, I don't understand that part of it. Don't don't tread on me. But no one's treading right? like it. Like that's not a public freedom. That's a corporation, and they can do whatever the fuck they want. That's their freedom to be able to tell these, you, the consumer, what the fuck to do. <laughs> these are the people we're dealing with, right? These are these are the stone cold morons who don't understand that a business telling them to wear a mask is is not uh, oppression, right? Like it's just it's it's so hard to have reasonable discourse on reopening when. These are the sorts of people that want the reopening, you know? 
it would be one thing if the government told you you had to wear a mask 24-7 at your home, on your own personal property, that kind of thing. That that would be oppression. And, Correct. and that would be a legitimate gripe. But saying, I'm going to Costco, I'm not wearing a mask, this is an outrage. Like, fuck off. <laughs> Don't Correct. go. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> yeah, and it's like you know, like we now we now have the conservative position of um, people are are like tweeting like, oh, I'm a, I'm don't call me a grandma killer if you want, but I I want to go to the zoo and museums, and it's just like how how just how is this a, a position that people are taking? You know, it just it feels crazy. I mean, if you go to the zoo, take precautions. Like it, it does seem like if people were willing. To actually to take fo- precautions to actually yeah. follow like legitimate social distancing rules, society could reopen tomorrow. But we know, and everyone knows, that people aren't going to do that, and they don't want to risk it. Like restaurants could open if people sat like each individual table was like six feet away from each other. That could work. It really could. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are there are ways that we could we could just get it figured out right like things could just be uh you know we we would have functional stuff i mean you know the problem you have with with the united states is we just there's just so many people right and there there's not just not really an effective way to police all of those people and it's certainly too big of a country to you know operate on like an honor system you know what i mean like there's just that's not that's not a a viable way to approach reopening yeah because the big thing is i mean you kind of hit on the key word like policing it like this shouldn't have to be policed by any sort of actual authority this should be policed by communities like people should by, be... by like common sense yeah and i think you're right i think there's just too many people in america for that actually to happen like there's almost too many people here for that to happen because there's like goobers all around like i I opened up like uh, like my toronto news this morning and what was the first thing i saw was some drunk driver drove into two separate houses last night like there's people like this in society like you're just not gonna win and if someone's gonna get drunk drive around and crash into two houses what do you think his stance on uh being responsible out out in public is like it's non-existent yeah that man that man is um he's not going to voluntarily uh wear a mask no and like did we have actual figures on masks yet like i'm fine with wearing a mask i only ever like i i've rarely worn a mask but every time i go grocery shopping i wear a mask like if i go into a store that has a lot of people in it I wear a mask. That's it. I've probably worn it three times since all of this started. Like, if I'm at home, I, I don't need to do that. I'm out for a run. I probably don't want to be wearing a mask. Like, not a lot of people are wearing masks around here outside of being in stores. Yeah, if I, if I, um, if I understand the mask thing right, I think it's more to like so you don't spread it as opposed so you don't get it like it's it does it does a it does a better job of um keeping the the respiratory droplets from going out as opposed to keeping them from going in that that again that could be wrong that is just my understanding so of the situation so that uh, back to the original point that i wanted to talk about on this show about like who do you trust who do you not trust as it comes to a news source like that has been a real problem in all of this well, the, 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 I, so actually I would say the biggest problem is even if the, the sources are trustworthy, things will get reported. Like there is no evidence that thing X does thing Y. 
but there also is no evidence that thing Y doesn't do thing X. You know, does, does that make sense? Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, so like there's no evidence that masks keep you from getting the coronavirus. There's also no evidence that they're like, it, because it's too hard to get these studies done right now. Like scientists are completely flying by the seat of their pants with this right now, basically. And which is horrible, horrible news, because as anyone who has any familiarity with science goes, that this stuff can change a lot over time anyway. But just for an Exa- actual yeah. sample and an, a real test case, like yep. when, when they came out and said, like, you know, a vaccine is at least 18 months away, it's because studies need to happen. Testing needs to happen. You don't want to have a false positive. Like the pandemic lady who I was reading into, like the main person in it, basically what happened, I think it was like restless leg syndrome or some, some like weird disease that she made a false positive on something saying like, Oh, this correlates to this, but it turned out like the sampling was wrong or the sampling was infected, but she was going out and spewing all this anyway. Like it just wasn't credible what she was talking about. And they had run other tests after the fact that did not prove what she had said happened. In fact, it was the opposite of what she had said happened, but she ended up doing that. Then she became like an anti-vaxxer. Now she's onto this coronavirus thing. Like you, you can make science say whatever you want, but legitimate journals would not publish that. And it just seems like no matter whether it's right or wrong right now, because the sampling is so small, the testing is so limited that you're not going to get good science on any of this, whether it be right or wrong. Yeah, you're going to get a lot of hunches. You're going to get a lot of Dr. X found this in his study. I mean, we've already seen it. We saw it with um, remdesivir, which is uh, an anti-malarial drug that the pharmaceutical company Gilead has been testing and they had a doctor at the University of Chicago say, you know, I'm getting good results with this with my patients. And then we had the actual uh, Gilead remdesivir people saying, you know, we're not quite sure about, uh, we're not quite sure about this yet. And then, you know, you're also, you're also getting, uh, we, we saw it with the hydrochloroquine where it killed some people because, you know, they were taking the wrong doses of it. And then other doctors have been having really good results with it. Um, basically once a week, uh, a different doctor or a different clinic will say that, uh, a combination of vitamins has done really effective in treating it. Cause again, from my understanding, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist. What actually happens when you get part of the things that happen when you actually get coronavirus is something called a cytokine storm. And that cytokine storm is really reliant on your immune system not functioning and apparently these vitamin cocktails have been very successful at fighting the cytokine storm and so whatever whatever but do we know who these experiments are being done on like are they being done on exactly no we have no idea like are they being done on 80 year olds are they being done on 25 year olds are the people white are the people black are the people native american are they mexican like those are factors that would have to go into this everyone's genealogy is a bit different that even depends on the part of the world too like if something was successful in india for indians would that be successful for your average american i I don't know i would think that it wouldn't be like there would there would be cultural stuff environmental stuff age stuff race stuff that would just be different for all people yeah and and we're we're getting none of that information right and and we won't we won't get a lot of that information for I would, I would assume a minimum of 
12 months, probably, you know, like we, we are just, we're like, it's not enough time for this stuff to get tested in a way that's actually science in terms, instead of just like people guessing or reporting on their results in their one hospital or their one lab with their one set of patients. Because the UFC is going off without a hitch. Why were people so, I I just saw a lot of boisterous people on Twitter just being like, once the COVID positive came, it's like, well, gotta shut it down. Like it would be irresponsible to not let it go. It seemed like there was a lot of those people. Like, we don't know. Like, what do you care at this point? It's a very isolated thing. No one is forced to be there. Like they can be there if they want to be there. If they, if they had so many problems with a fighter testing positive, one of the other fighters on the card could have been like, you know what? I'm not fighting. Like, I think this is unsafe. I'm not doing it. But everyone who's there seems to be okay with it. Why, why was there such an outrage for it? That's when I got back to like the people who predicted this was going to be the worst kind of want it to be the worst. So they weren't I don't want it to be the worst. Yeah. Um, and I get that. Like, I get that a little bit because, you know, I thought this was going to be terrible. Um, you know, I thought a lot more people were going to die than have died thus far. Um, and I'm sure that I, I'm certainly at risk of being old takes exposed with things that I said, you know, towards the towards the beginning. Yeah, but you're, and- you're friends with that guy now, so he might go easy with you. Maybe, maybe. I don't know if he'll, I don't know if he will. Um, that's interesting. I don't know if in a year from now, if he'll be retweeting people's terrible coronavirus takes that, 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 that has potential to be funny. It does, um, but that, that's also like, I, I guess if it turned out like not necessarily okay, because there, there is no, even if there are zero deaths from this point on, it did not turn out okay. It, it's been really bad. Correct. It doesn't seem like it's, it would be distasteful, I think to do that kind of thing like if it's a bad sports prediction that's funny bad coronavirus takes either way not super hilarious correct yeah yeah so this is um this is this is my take on this which is and and i feel because i am i am certainly more aligned with the the bleeding heart liberal folks who you know we got to do anything we can to save one life whatever whatever um my my take is that Having things to entertain people, having things to distract people, having things to remove people from like a lot of the things that are terrible, right? Thinking about the coronavirus, thinking about how both of the major American political parties are are just, you know, stepping on their own dicks day after day, just just messing up, making things worse for the common man. You know, like and there's a real human cost to asking people to stay inside their houses day after day after day, there's a real human cost to 30% unemployment. And people like to watch sports, right? People like to be distracted by sports. And like you said, this is this is a group of nothing but consenting adults. Absolutely no one is being asked to stay at this place against their will. And the same would be true if basketball came back. The same would be true when football happens. The same will be true of all these sports. So, okay, I don't necessarily know about that. Yes, you're right about consenting adults doing it. Maybe even on a micro level in terms of the UFC, maybe people do feel pressure to get back out there as a fighter. But Mm -hmm. if you're LeBron James and you don't want to do it, but the rest of the Lakers do, then you're in a shitty position where it's not just you anymore. It's the team. It's everyone else you know. It's an organization. Actually, if you're a UFC it, fighter, it's just you. So I would actually go the other way 
if LeBron doesn't want to play, LeBron's going to be fine no matter what. Bad, Nothing, okay, nothing's happening bad, to LeBron. Bad, ex- bad example. If, if, if Anthony if Anthony Tolliver doesn't want to play, he's making the veterans minimum. He needs, you know, and and the veterans minimum in the NBA next season. If they don't ha- if they don't finish out this year when the NBA comes back, those contracts are getting cut in half. Those contracts are getting cut by seventy five percent maybe. So there's actually more incentive, more financial pressure, because I'm sure a lot of those guys are are living above like or or very close to the top of their financial means range. I mean, we see this stuff with athletes all the time where guys who are kind of on the edges live, you know, a really, you know, like a, a B plus lifestyle. And if that money leaves unexpectedly, you know, they're they're gonna be screwed. So there there might be athletes who feel like their back is really against the wall with this stuff yeah and that would force them back into action so consent consenting adults is probably true but i think that applies more to the individual sports rather but but there are yeah you're right there are still really problematic things not really semi-problematic things with i mean the biggest problematic thing with getting sports back is uh, you know, we we can't figure out testing in the United States. We just we can't get testing to everyone who needs it. But uh, it seems like for sp- when sports are involved, uh, you know, miraculously, we get an unlimited number of tests for the people. And that is if if not like actually criminal and costing people lives, it's at least a, a bad look. True. Uh, I can't wait for sports to come back, but there'd be no fans. Then people complaining that there's no fans like that's the next step of this. How I mean, just, I just, I, well, I can't it, get it, myself to care at all. It doesn't seem like it'll be a thing, but just wait, just wait until sports are back. It'll be a month, and then people will be like, "How dare they not have fans?" Um, this is unwatchable. Are, I hate this. Are people um, are people complaining about like uh, KBO with no fans or anything? I mean, I don't even no know. One, no one gives a shit about KBO. Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, people are staying up to watch it. People are are playing these games on uh, sure on DraftKings. Yeah, you know? okay. it's like when I talked about how people are interested in the Outlaw Tour. Sure, people are interested, but yeah, but they don't have a lifelong attachment to it the but, way they do to but, other stuff. But not even that. It's just like it's not actually a lot of people watching this stuff or playing this stuff. Like most, yeah, it's just us DGens. Yeah, most like most people who bet on the Outlaw Tour or play a DraftKings Outlaw Tour event, have yet to see a second of the Outlaw Tour. They don't even know who's who. They're just playing to play. You think the same thing's not true with KBO? You think people are playing lineups in for Korean baseball and be like, well, got to get up at three and see how my lineups do? Fuck that. They're not doing that. I wonder. I, I actually wonder um, how many people are uh, watching the games. I, I, I would be very curious. The percentage of people who are playing KBO and... Uh, and, and and staying up to watch the games I, that that seems interesting to me i would i would set the over under at 15 and a half percent and i would take the under i would take the over on 15 and a half of people of people watching any of the game at all well when does the first one start what time uh it depends on the day it's either uh two days a week it's at midnight my time so one o'clock your time and then 4 30 a.m the other days 5 30 a.m your time yeah maybe they'll watch like a replay of it in the morning watch some highlights but getting me tuning into this shit no way i watched the first day that's it yeah and you're playing every day aren't you mm-hmm. who has the best projections for it no one has good projections for it yet so how do you cap it 
Um, well, I am not play like I I am not trying to play cash games. That would be, I think, a different story. You'd need you'd need good projections for that. I am just stacking in tournaments and my entire thought process is just trying to avoid high-owned players. They're they're the because it's a sport where no one knows anything and the information sources are really narrow. Everyone's looking at the same information. The the chalk becomes um, extremely obvious. So I'm just I'm just doing my best to have low owned rosters. Yeah, that's essentially the same sort of strategy with the outlaw tours. That if anyone's going to be chalk, just don't play them. I follow yeah, like the Alex, like Alex Checa that very first day he where he was the only name that people knew like worst play in the history of golf so how many people do you think watched the kbo on espn the first night which would tend to be probably the highest rate the biggest night? yeah i guess eight hundred thousand people One hundred and seventy thousand. wow <laughs> yeah so no one really cares no one cares about that sport coming back they only care about the sports they know coming back yeah like it I would guess that like if Bundesliga does go back up, like that might draw a little bit because whether you're an, EP- well, it's on at a normal time. Well, it's not on like a normal time. It's in Germany. That's what. Yeah. But it's on a, it's on a time when Americans are not asleep. Sure. I mean that that's the one thing like it is overnight, but like it's KBO baseball, it's Korean baseball. It's the, what the, if you had to rank the Korean baseball league and the pantheon of world baseball leagues, like MLB number one, Japanese league is probably number two. Maybe one of the Caribbean leagues is number two. No, KBO is number two. Korean baseball is bigger than Japanese baseball. That's got to be true. Let me look it up. That can't be true. Japanese pro baseball league. Like Mr. Baseball, Tom Selleck played in the Japanese league. He didn't play in the Korean league, Davis. I mean, I, I, no, I knew like some of the players in the KBO. I well, let's see the Japanese N- Nippon Professional Baseball League. That's Japan, right? Yes. Yeah. Twelve teams. Recent history. Well, I don't know what that's going to tell us. Yeah, I don't know. If you, people people listening to this, if you guys if you guys know. Please let us know. It's possible possible that I am I'm just wrong about this. Anyway, no one cares. Uh, and compared to the very top level baseball in the world, it's inferior. At least with the Bundesliga, if you're an EPL fan, a La Liga fan, a Serie A fan, the Bundesliga is one of the best soccer leagues in the world. It's one of the good ones that would have yeah. like actual competition. So you could see people watching that. It would be like if the MLS was the only league in the world going right now. Do you think people in Britain would be like, well, fucking fire up some mls no they'd be like this is shit this is shit footy uh well and they would be right (laughs) yeah but that's like uh, that's korean baseball compared to major league baseball um yes that is that is true but bundesliga Um, soccer versus the very top end soccer like it's one of the top things yeah, it's probably like the third or fourth best in the world. Yeah, like and it's it's enjoyable and it's on at a good time. But like Belarusian soccer didn't really make an impact on anyone, despite the fact that that was going because that's like the Korean baseball league to soccer. And you will, uh, and you couldn't watch it anywhere. No, no one, no one, uh, no one got TV rights to it. Do you think they couldn't get TV rights or didn't get TV rights? I will say this: I would have watched Belarusian soccer for yeah, sure. Yeah, but apparently you'll watch anything. Well, I haven't been watching Korean baseball the last couple of days. 
I, I don't know if Korean baseball got 170,000 viewers on its peak first night. I can't imagine how, how few people would have watched Belarusian soccer. I mean, probably not as many as even the entire um, country of Belarus. Let's see. The average, that's the 170,000 was the average telecast over the three hours and 26 minutes. That is better than the NBA 2K League game on ESPN Tuesday night, which averaged 40,000 viewers. Yeah, people really don't like watching video games yeah, well, on yeah, TV, on, on TV at least. How about this? Watching video games sucks. It's horrible. I like watching League of Legends. You I like watching everything. We, we've been over this. You'll watch fucking anything. That is not true. Not anything. But all, I mean, I am, I do, I really like to gamble and I really like to watch things that I'm gambling on. I, wa- I bet on some table tennis last night. That was actually one of the new fun things that we did because we try to get together once a week on like a Zoom chat or once every two weeks. So I got them on my website for betting. Uh, and you can, there's, there's a tab that just says like watch live. So you can bet on something, then watch yeah. it live. It'll just pop up through the app. So we were on the Zoom call. So we started betting on horse races in California where they had a live stream and losing money. Then we started betting on table tennis. The horse racing was actually fun to watch despite the fact that we were losing. And then we won like four consecutive table tennis matches and it was horrible to watch. I would not do that again. Yeah, table tennis doesn't seem fun. They are um they are bringing back tent like regular tennis. There are there are now like very small outdoor like literally like almost like playing in someone's backyard level but like you know like with you know top 100 players in the world playing and uh i i am very eager for the return of tennis i mean i can't watch tennis unless it's like the final of the french open i can't envision myself watching not the world's best tennis a and b shit i don't care about it's just a it's just a good drafting sport sure so it was Outlaw Tour Golf. Like, I, I like the fact that they're streaming it. I'm not watching a ton of it. Well, so if I can be straight up with the listeners, I have barely played Outlaw Tour yet because I'm not willing to grind hard enough to get plus EV lineups. Like, I feel like you you have to grind a certain degree to have good lineups in it. The only person that I've seen that's doing really well with it, like consistently, is Tambo. He seems to be like winning playing it. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, you know, more power to him. I'm sure I and I'm sure a lot of it is just trying to find like guys who aren't, you know, club club pro levels, like guys who are, you know, you know, maybe web tour quality golfers or whatever. Um yeah, but the the, but ed, the edge isn't in that because that, it's in ownership. No, no, but those guys are easy to identify. It's figuring out who the rest of the fuck these guys are. Right, and I mean, I you know, I don't know how people are. You know, I I and and it 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 seems like a hard grind. It seems like a negligible edge. So I just I just haven't been I just haven't been playing it. I don't have the I don't have the mental capacity for it. But the but the prize pools are the biggest. That is not necessarily always a draw for me in like biggest prize pools. I, I want to play the stuff that can generate money for me. And yeah. I don't I don't think that Outlaw Tour will be a money generator. I mean, that's a very, very shocking take to hear from you. But it's a very reasonable take and smart take to hear from you. That's how you should actually try to do it. I, I don't participate yeah, I mean, in that. I want to play the big prize pools, try to win a million bucks. <laughs> yeah, like even in, even in KBO, when I played... Um, 
like I only put one lineup in the big $10 contest um, and, and did other teams in like the single entry. Cause I was right that the edge for me is going to be much greater in those contests as opposed to uh, as opposed to the big um, you know, $10 with the, it's basically like playing the lottery. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Cause I was going to go through some of these questions. No, let's uh, let's hit the questions. Uh, has Davis's complete avoidance of other opinions made him comparable to Cust by simply living his truth over the truth? I mean, there are probably things that Cust and I agree on, though it's not true that I don't avoid differing opinions. If I if I if I um if I avoided everyone who disagreed with me, then what would I get mad about? Right? That, that's how true. would I how would I know what to get mad about? You need to be triggered. Yeah, I need to be triggered. So I will, I don't, I don't seek it out, of course, but I also, I also am so, um, so disheartened and so out on leftist American politics that, uh, that mostly everything makes me mad these days politically because the, the lefties aren't left enough. And, uh, you know, the, the conservatives have abandoned a lot of their ideals that started. And it's just, so it's just, I feel like, I feel like everyone in American politics is doing just about the worst job possible. You don't feel like the lefties are left enough, but the people that are on the very, very left seem to be the most insufferable people on the planet. <laughs> but I don't think that those people that you are referring to are like actual leftists. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to have a big discussion about this because, you know, it's just a very hard thing to talk about. But this Joe Biden stuff is... It's devastating for a lot of reasons. One, basically locking me into I got to vote for someone I I already hated and don't really like. And now I think he's like a bad human being. And so you have to morally weigh, do you vote for this guy who's who's probably just like not only a, a not a good politician, but also probably um, a bad person. And and but American pot like the the way that every every news outlet fox news msnbc cnn everything the way that they all covered it was they basically didn't they basically just did not report on this terror read incident until they absolutely had to and i mean that's that's like terrible right that and and it was clearly an initiative from the dnc that they wanted this to not be a thing and 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 you know the leftists they're supposed to be the, the party of the people. They're supposed to be the party that, that protects the weak people. And they're not, it's just, they're just as power hungry as the people that I hate. And that is, that's terrible, man. That's terrible. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you. It turns out that they're not trying to protect people. They're just trying to protect themselves. Yeah. That's so fucking disheartening. Like, and I know that everyone, it seems like a lot of the people who have a problem with my politics. I mean, yes, they have a problem with my politics, but they also don't like the earnestness and they don't like that. I'm like, these are the bad people. These are the good people. And I think that a lot of those people have had their moment that I'm having now where they're like, Oh, these politicians actually don't give a shit. And I don't think that is universally true. I think that there are a lot of politicians on both sides in the United States who do actually care about their constituents um, and who are smart and who are intelligent and you know it's a big country with a lot of politicians so the 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 ones that are bad seem terrible and the ones that are good 
don't get talked about as much. Well, that, but, that uh, that's a, that's a very interesting point. Because I agree with you. And I think that a lot of the shit that we're hearing even about coronavirus, we're only hearing about the bad stuff. And I'm not talking mm-hmm. about deaths. We're just like the idiots in public. Well, the majority of people aren't like that. Like the vast, overwhelming majority of people aren't these idiots. But they're the only people that you hear about. Yeah, and I'm sure that there are a lot of people who are helping each other, right? Who are like, I'm like, actually, this is a great thing. So remember, I think it was maybe like the second or third Corona cast we did. And we talked about how some grocery stores were just doing like hours for like an at-risk population. Yeah. Well, like that's like every store in St. Louis is doing that. And I think that's so cool. And I think that's something that I basically would not have expected at all from people. Like I just would have expected people to be jerks, right? To just be like, well, that, you know, I'm, I, if, if I want to go at eight o'clock in the morning, I'm going to go at eight o'clock in the morning. And by and large, you know, it just seems like people are, are just being kind and respecting those boundaries. And yeah, you, you don't, you don't hear, you don't like that stuff is not getting reported at all. Right. No, see, I see. I didn't know that that was happening in St. Louis, for example. Now, if the, if I was to hear news about St. Louis specifically about this issue, I guarantee you the only news I would have ever heard, and I haven't, but if I was to see something, it would be one person being like, this is outrageous. I want to shop at right. 6.30 a.m. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, part of that is like the machine of news, right, that, that, that exists in the United States now where, you know, the, it's just become a vicious machine that eats upon itself and like, you know, I, I don't, I am not studied enough to know when, I mean, I'm sure news has literally been sensationalized for as long as news has existed because people would rather hear that stuff. But when your country is in the, the, the grips of a deadly pandemic and super hyper polarization um, on both sides of the political spectrum, it just, it gets even worse. Well, the internet really hurt this because yeah, for a long time and the media companies across the board are complicit in this, but are, so are all of us at the same time. And no one ever really tries to put the blame on themselves or people in general for making the news outlets like this. But before, yeah. you had like even Fox News pre like ten year not ten years ago, but like fifteen years ago, they were carrying you know the bucket of water for Bush. There was you know it's state propaganda for Bush, just like MSNBC was for Obama when Obama was president. But there was a baseline before the internet that even though it didn't seem like there was so many mistruths or opinion even on these cable places before the internet existed because then if people didn't like what they were hearing with the news like they were gatekeepers like these were real journalists whether you agree with their like actual personal politics or not most of them did a very good job in actually reporting and trying to bring out bring out the truth there's always going to be outliers who are fucker fucking liars but then the internet yeah. comes along and you can find fake news on or you can find half truth news and headlines on the internet that you personally agree with so you just start clicking on that and then you turn off the actual news and then the only way to get these people back to watching because it is a business is making shit up or presenting things in a way that isn't necessarily true or talking about in a way that actually doesn't have any relevancy of what the actual fact is because you want to re-harness all of these people that you've lost. Like we're complicit in all of this. Oh, I mean to, so that, that is a great point. So to act like, um, 
like these media companies came from nowhere and there there wasn't a need or demand that they were filling is it is hilarious right of course of course we the people are complicit in the companies that exist to try and entertain us you know what i mean but it wasn't just about enter- like the news organizations. Yes, there was they were part entertainment. It's not just an entertainment part. That this is where people went for news, and because it was such a secluded industry, whether it be newspapers or whether it be TV media, whatever it might be, the radio. Like these were very insular places. People always talked about it. it's hard to get into these industries because you need to know someone or you need to do that. But maybe that inclusion was keeping out like crazy people who just wanted to bend everything as we've seen with the internet, like I can post, like if I just decided tomorrow to go like full Tommy G and not necessarily what he's talking about, but but pick a very specific lane that I know that there's like a niche internet community audience for, and just started talking about shit like that and put out, like created my own website and wrote articles about it with like super misleading, but very catchy headlines. I would get clicks immediately. I really would. And People are out there just begging for that news, not even real news anymore. <laughs> why Why aren't we doing that? It feels like a much easier way to uh, to get rich than what we are doing. I don't know how you get rich off of that, though. I really don't. Clicks? Yeah, but clicks... The click economy. Yeah, but the click economy... Like, people can talk about the click economy all they want. Just because you get a lot of clicks on something doesn't mean you're necessarily making no, money. No, you, you gotta... You have to... Like, I my, mean, the way a lot of, like, the put, way a lot of podcasts... My show, my show is profitable because my uh, listen. I don't have like I, I talk to the footballers all like not all the time and not necessarily even about this, but like when I do talk to them about it, like their audience is so big, and like they must be making. I don't ask them how much money they make, but it has to be in the millions and millions. Yeah, of I'm sure. I'm sure they do great because they have very loyal customers, and that's the one thing that. They have very loyal listeners. They will buy their products. But that's the same thing with me. Like I don't have, I have a yep. big, I have a big audience, but I don't have the hugest audience in the world. But the people that listen to my show or watch my show are willing to trust me that if I'm saying, "Hey, buy Fantasy National," if they're into golf, they'll buy Fantasy National. Like that conversion is how the podcasts actually make money. It's not off the ads. Yeah, you're it's, like, it's that, affiliate that, money. That that can support stuff. Like that keeps the lights on, kind of thing. That hey. Casper mattresses want you to buy some Casper mattresses, but like those ads aren't taken as seriously as real product placement. That is a product that you can get behind, like actually get behind. Like DraftKings is the title sponsor of my show. They pay for the show to happen because they know that if I'm talking about DraftKings and I play on DraftKings, then my audience will play on DraftKings. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. Hundred hundred percent. Like that. Yeah. That it, that is all about that's targeted the, advertising. But that's the real click economy. If I could just get, if I became like a let's say a super left wing person and just wrote about how terrible the right is all the time and how terrible centrists are, and me and you start a website and we get a hundred thousand clicks on every article. Oh, you know, you know, the click economy of like Trump hate is a real thing. Though I would feel that those people are more willing to buy stuff than the other way around. Of like selling right, like right wing stuff. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So like, I think that I think that is probably true because like you know limousine liberals are the worst, and that's definitely who you're targeting with that stuff because you're not you're not selling an ideal. You're just selling we hate we hate the orange man. Yeah, and like what uh, triggered isn't a great economic model. <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, uh, and there are there are, um, you know, there are a lot of podcasts that do 
like there are people who make a living on like their Patreons or whatever. Oh, sure. Like that, that, that could be a thing. Like there's the click economy is one thing, but just generating a lot of clicks in and of itself, in and of itself is, yeah, is worth Like you need to be, mm-hmm. you need to understand what you need to do with those clicks. Like people think, well, if they get 500,000 people to click on their website, you know, the advertising on that web page alone, like that's worth fuck all. It's worth nothing. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. It's worth like point zero 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 one cents per click. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's literally, it's literally nothing. You have to, you have to have some sort of extra way to monetize. Yeah, yeah. for sure. You, you have to be doing something with the attention that you're generating other than literally just having people click on the page. Like the one underrated thing in either podcast, podcast analytics are tougher, but like YouTube analytics, like time spent on video is very big. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Like like when you talk about those like YouTube ads that you see, like, yeah, generating a lot of clicks is one thing and you'll get paid per click kind of thing. But the advertisers on YouTube actually go into like a pool and they will bid more on YouTube ads for stuff that fits the proper demographics. Like my demographics are really good. I have a lot of 25 to 45 rich people who watch my show. Like that's a great audience to put ads and who, in who, And probably a lot of people who uh, aren't married with kids. Yeah, disposable income people who are f- fluent in internet purchases. Like that is the uh, ideal audience. So people would bid more to put me, like to put their ads in front of my show over, I don't know, some video game stream. The disposable, the disposable uh, income level of uh, of Western civilization. It's uh, it's getting smaller by the day. It is. And look, just look around. Even our industry, the amount of people that have dropped out of this space since this started. Yeah, it's uh, not. Uh, would not be. It just. It's every. It's just everything seems terrifying every day, man. It's crazy. It really. It really is. Just so, like just, you. You wake up and you're just like, I mean, dude, like. You just, I just feel so blessed to like have a job, you know, I can order takeout if I want. Like, I just, I, you know what I'm saying? Like I, my day-to-day life is stressful, but it's not even close to what many, many, many other people are dealing with right now. Well, it does seem like you've now put yourself into the position of if you didn't have what you have right now and you can see why people are fucking pissed. You can see why it would lead to not optimal outcome decision-making. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I can I look, I I understand why someone would be so frustrated that they want to protest, right? Like I I get it. I just, you know, I just I wish that people would use their brains more than they're using their brains. All right. I think that's it. Do you uh, this last question. Do you think uh, colleges will be open in the fall? I do not. No. At least, at least not all of them, right? I think probably we'll get some private colleges and stuff open, but it, like, you know, big, massive state universities, I, I think very likely no. I don't know. I think it depends on where. I, I think I, I'm just trying to put myself into the shoes of like universities in Canada. I just don't see it. I don't, yeah, I don't know. It just, it, it seems, because I mean, if I were, if I was going to think about an environment where people are literally, I mean, is there any, is there anything grosser than like a college dorm room in terms of spreading disease? It's hard no, for me to imagine. No, but at the same time, you might have to do a thing where you, 
if you go to college and you're on the campus or you live on campus or whatever it might be, like maybe that's the only way you can do it. You can't live off campus and you may, yeah, you got it. You got to be quarantined on campus. Yeah. Maybe that's the only way to do it. I'm sure they'll figure out ways to do it, but I'm just curious. I, I, I don't know because online, online classes are not optimal at all for anyone. College age, kids age, it doesn't matter. Doesn't like, matter. They're fucking yeah. useless, man. Like I, I used to take online classes in college because they were a fucking joke. <laughs> joke. Yeah. Uh, I, I do. I will. Um, there's one libertarian talking point that I actually, Ooh. I, I agree with wholeheartedly that is related to this, which is that like part of the well, large reason why universities are so expensive is that they've become this big fat bloated organism where. There are too many administrators. There are too many employees whose jobs are mostly superfluous. And if you were looking for an, uh, you know, positives, you were looking for good things to come out of the coronavirus, it would not surprise me if some of those very bloated administrative positions cease to exist as a result of the coronavirus. And I, I would view that as a positive outcome. So uh, almost like the government is too big, we need to make it smaller. University institutions are too big within the structure of them, we need to make them smaller. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, I, I don't agree with the governmental point, right? Because governments, the, the reason that governments are big, especially in a very big country with lots of people should be, should be self-evident universities do not often need, especially colleges that are not um, research colleges where they're mostly teaching colleges. Like you go there to get an education and learn, like there's not tons of breaking, you know, world, changing research happening at the college, having, you know, more administrators than professors actually actively like hurts the education that the students there are getting. Yeah, I can see that. Like, I know yeah. it's, it's weird. Like I just kind of ragged on online classes, but you only take them because you need the, the half credit or the credit and they're super easy to pass. And you only, I like, there were some online classes that I may have done an hour of work on all semester and did fine in. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. The only time it took me was like the only time allotted to it was writing the tests. Yeah. Which or, is crazy, but yeah. Like I, and, and that doesn't actually, that, that serves no one. Well, literally not one person in the process other than the person, I guess, getting paid to teach that class is, is, is well off from that. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess the big thing is like, I mean, college, especially in the States is, I mean, where it's just, so ludicrously expensive versus anywhere else in the world or at least any anywhere that i can think of that i get why it's four years for an undergraduate degree or x amount of classes but like why does it need to be four years worth of education like especially for an undergraduate like med school's three years (laughs) i guess i mean the many of the people that would answer would say it's because you know you want people to learn um, more than just like the base level of their degree or whatever, you know, you, you want them to get a little bit extra for, you know, whatever reason. Yeah. But generally people spend the first two years of college kind of fucking around before deciding their major. Right. Yeah. So why not just make it one, take whatever you want first year. It'll all count towards your degree. Then you specialize the final two years. Yeah. I went to, I went to college for five years. Great decision. I went for like six and a half cause I was a fuck up, but that's me. Yeah. <laughs> I was, taking, was the best taking three classes per semester, only classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I had a great time. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome, right? 
That's yeah. uh, that like like being in college is great. So so be in college. It's the best. Yeah. Like that was that was my thought process. Yeah, I want to extend this for as long as possible. Just live in that state of arrested development where I can be nineteen forever. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend thought it was so stupid. Like she, cause I mean, she's like a really good student and, um, you know, works really hard and studies really hard. And so like me being like, yeah, I just like, I failed a math class and I don't know. And whatever, I went there for five years. So like, you're an idiot. Like, well, it takes different strokes. I guess so. All right, man. That's all I got. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, enjoy the UFC. I'm looking forward to my, my Korean soccer. It's going to be a good night. Did you bet on the UFC or play DK UFC? Yeah, I played, I played DK. I am like a little rusty in terms of betting. Like I, I don't like check my betting site every day and stuff anymore. So like, you know, I'm not wanting to bet crusty old lines. So I, I didn't get any, didn't get any action down, but did play DK. So let's listen to the, uh, the Pat Mayo experience dogger pass podcast for this Wednesday card. That's going to be the one to bet on. All right. I'm in, I'm in. I will, uh, I will, uh, is it up already? No, I no, because the I mean this this card isn't even over yet. So, do we have betting lines up for the new ones? Uh, I don't believe so. Uh, so I think that's going to happen tomorrow. That they're going to try to. Oh no, we do have betting lines. Wednesday, May thirteenth. What's the big one? Ray Borg versus Ricky Simon. Like uh, they have people on this first card that like like Greg Hardy is fighting on the card tonight. Yeah, I saw that. Your guy, Greg Hardy, but like. The other ones are Dallas, Dallas Cowboy, Greg Hardy. Yeah, like the rest of the cards don't have like people I've heard of from. Like, I'm a very beyond casual UFC fan, but I know a lot about it because Cody and Paul do a show on my show for it. So I'm familiar with a lot of these names. Like best case scenario on this Wednesday card, I might know one person in the fight. So that, that's Cody's time to shine in all of this stuff that like he knows all of these people he knows in depth about all of them. And he can, he can tell you that it's usually, and honestly for him, it's usually like these dinky overseas cards where like the bookmakers don't know a ton and just, I mean, he, he match make it, he match makes MMA anyway, or at least he used to on like a local level. Like he just understands odds at a far superior level than almost anyone else does when it comes to MMA. Yeah. I mean, I'm in, I'm in, I, 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 I think a, a skill a lot of people should be learning is, uh, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot easier to win grinding out the micro edges in, you know, like minor league MMA K- Korean baseball than it is to, uh, you know, just like win $5 head to heads in NFL where everyone has access to good information. Oh yeah. But that's not fun. <laughs> it's true. Doing it's, it-, it is, it is a lot more of a grind to do that. All right, man. Stay safe. Uh, hopefully, we'll be back next week with CoronaCast Nine, but uh, it, it's—I'd say it's about fifty-fifty at this point. You know, we'll see. We'll see if the world still exists then. I was going to say my son would be born, but thank you for remembering. Oh yeah, that's right. I, I didn't remember. Wow, what an asshole. I know. I'm the worst. Well, good luck. I hope. Uh, I hope all everything. I hope your wife uh, is feeling all right. Yeah, she's doing all right right now. She's she kind of wants it to be over. <laughs> Well, who can blame her, right? I'm I, like, literally, I can't imagine. Yeah. All right, dude. Uh, stay safe. Everyone out there, stay safe. And uh, we'll talk again soon. All right, man. Take it easy. Bye. Experience. Experience.